Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Do you have a go-to game or activity for car rides or standing around the lines? One of the things that we do as a family is would you rather questions. You know, FunPoll is a site that allows you to read questions, but also see the results of people that filled out those responses. Who filled out the responses? I have no idea, but let's do a couple together. Let's start off seasonally. What do you like more, winter or summer? Summer for me, the results are summer and it's 54%. How about this one, kind of seasonal. Would you rather be stuck in an elevator or stuck on a broken ski lift? Interesting, right? Claustrophobia plays into it, heights, potential cold. 90% of the time, I have my Leatherman with me, which means I would try to McGregor my way out of either situation, but I think I'd be more successful on an elevator, in an elevator. Does anybody know what MacGyver is anymore? Say yes or no if you're part of the chat. I just need to realize, are my metaphors way out of touch now? We'll see. Let's change categories. Let's go to anatomy. Would you rather lose your sense of taste and smell or lose your ability to distinguish color? Now, this poll was created in 2016. Isn't it ironic that COVID affects your taste and smell? That's not lost on me. But what would you choose? I would rather lose my ability to distinguish color, and 70% of the people would agree with me. This one's interesting as well. Would you rather have cheesy Cheeto fingers for the rest of your life or have a popcorn kernel stuck to the back of your throat for the rest of your life? That's a pretty tough one, right? Do you have your answer? This one's kind of tough for me, but I'm going popcorn kernel. I mean, could you imagine leaving an orange trail on everything in the world that you touched? If you were coming to my house, you'd have to wear gloves. Survey says 69% of people went with the cheesy Cheeto fingers. That smell alone is not worth doing that, right? Well, two more. We're shifting to social dynamics. Would you rather watch a win compilation or watch a fail compilation? That one's kind of tricky. Depends on the kind of day I'm having. It's dude perfect. People are awesome. Red Bull versus the fail blog, right? Well, I'm going to go with the win compilation. How about you? I'm a minority in this one. 33% said they would rather watch the wins. And the last one, this one's pretty deep. If you met yourself, would you like you? No or yes. That one you don't have to reveal to the room that you're in. The results, again, are from 2016, and they are 71% of people say they would like themselves. That one's a really interesting question to me. I wonder if people are answering this question more positively or negatively today as a result of COVID and quarantining. But that last question, it's a great one to segue into our message. Because regardless of how you answer that last question, regardless of how many questions you found yourself either in the majority or the minority of the popular opinion, this series that we're calling Made, we're saying this, that you and I were made on purpose and for a purpose. You, my friend, you're not an accident. You have a purpose. And the sooner you and I understand our purpose, the better our lives are going to be. We also have been saying that when we lose our sense of purpose, when we lose our sense of direction, life becomes meaningless and doesn't make sense. If you missed either week one or week two, I would encourage you to go back and listen or watch those messages. In week one, we emphasized that we were created by God with a purpose. 
And last week, we begin by drawing our attention to our first purpose in life, which is loving God back. The term for loving God back is called worship. And worship is much more than just coming to church, singing music, but rather it's anything and everything we do with a heart to honor God, our creator. To think in terms of commandments, Jesus was asked one day, what was the greatest commandment? And his reply wasn't choosing a thing or a task that mattered most to God, but rather he was calling for a focus on the way we live our lives. Check out his response found in Matthew 22. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. We said last week, God's not looking for a portion of our lives. God is interested in our entire lives. He has a purpose for every one of us. You know, God's purpose isn't meant to restrict and to choke us from having a good life. Rather, living our lives with God's purpose in mind leads us to our best and most productive lives. Worshiping Jesus is not about offering some religious duties and tasks. Okay, I'll go to church, I'll sing a song, I'll read the Bible, I'll help the poor, I'm willing to do these things for God to get them off my back. No, worshiping God is about living our lives with God on our minds, doing our everyday things in a way that pleases Him as we do everything. Remember this verse from last week, Romans 12.1? It says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life you're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. The message translation of that text does such a good job personalizing and living out worship. Well, this week we're looking at our second purpose, and it's connected to Jesus' response to the question of the greatest commandment. Look here as it continues on. It's loving other people. Notice how Jesus tacks this on to the greatest commandment. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was asked, What was the greatest commandment? And he felt the need to continue on. There's an interesting connection to these commandments. The litmus test to see if you understand the first commandment to love God is observable by how you love your neighbor. The Apostle John, in his short letter, said this about love in 1 John 4.19. He says, we love because he first loved us. We covered that last week. We said that God is love. He's the source of love. And the more we lean into him, allowing him to fill us with his love, that there's a natural overflow that we send back to him and we release to others. If you want to become more loving, we don't concentrate and really, 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 really try hard to love. No, we tap into the source of love. We surrender our lives to God and we allow him to fill us up and empower us to live out these commands. John goes on in verse 20. He says, Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. Whoa, John, that's really direct. But here's what John wants. He wants to make sure we see that love is serious business. John is saying, you cannot love God and hate a brother or sister. Maybe you've been tempted to say, you know, I love God, I just hate people. We all have felt that way, especially here lately, right? It's a natural response. But that's why we need God's supernatural love to live out this purpose. This purpose of loving others should get our attention. It should help us remind us that, wow, this is really difficult, and I'm going to lean into God in order to fulfill this purpose. John goes on in verse 21, and he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must love their brother and sister. So John is echoing the words he heard Jesus say. This week, 
we're looking at what it means to love other believers, our brothers and sisters in Christ. This week's purpose is you are made to be part of God's family. You know, you were born into a natural family and you're invited to be part of God's family. God doesn't force us into his family, but he desires us to choose and be part of it. And he wants every one of us to enter into a relationship with him. Paul explains in Galatians 3 that we become children of God through our faith in Jesus. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Becoming one is another way of saying we are entering into God's family. Those that are in God's family are collectively known as the church. If you've been reading the Purpose Driven Life book with us, I really like what Rick Warren said this week about the church. He said, church is not a building. It's not an institution. It's not an organization. It is not a club. It is a family. A lot of people say, well, I'm going to go to church as if church is a place you go to. That's not correct. Church is not a place you go to. Church is a family you belong to. Big difference. It's more than a building more than a service, it is family that we are to belong to. You know, that may have blown your mind when you think church. You see a building with a steeple, you open the doors and you see people, but this is more true. You don't need this. You don't need this. All you need is a group of people that have placed their faith in Christ Jesus. And there's a word that describes the gathering of this group of people that are called to love one another, and they treat each other as family, and that word is called fellowship. You know, worship deals with our loving relationship with God vertically. Fellowship deals with our horizontal relationships as we love one another, as we love other believers. Every individual in God's family collectively forms the church. The church in the Bible has a few nicknames and illustrations, and the one I would like to explore today is called a body. Look at Romans 12, 4 and 5, and it spells it out clearly. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. The analogy Paul uses is that of a human body, and he calls out three things here. One, you can see that we all have a special function or purpose. Two, we come together to form a whole unit. And three, we belong to each other. This is one thing to talk about, and boy, is this challenging to embrace. Paul goes into great detail about specific ways we can love one another in this chapter. I'd like you to read it on your own later in the week. Circle the most challenging instances in that text that he talks about loving one another. This is a really challenging message in a fiercely independent culture. We strive for independence, but God is calling us towards interdependence. Tell someone they belong to you and you belong to them and watch how quickly they distance themselves from you. File this one under really cool biblical pickup lines that may not produce our intended result. Paul uses this same body metaphor in 1 Corinthians 12. And I'd like to draw out some points from, that, from this chapter as we read it together today. From verses 12 and 13, we see the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. You know, the first thing I want to point out is everyone is welcome to be part of the body. In the Corinthian church, Paul's initial audience, they were struggling to find unity because of their differences. 
They had different backgrounds. Some were Jewish and practiced Jewish traditions and customs. Some were non-Jews, trying to understand what really mattered to God as they placed their faith in Jesus. They had different gifts and abilities. Earlier in chapter 12, you'll find that the gifts given by the Holy Spirit to help the church sometimes called divisions and did not strengthen them. They also had different social positions, slave and free. Slavery in Corinth is not the same slavery we see in modern times, but it certainly caused a gap between those that had freedom and those that had less freedom. Paul's reminding them, this church, that despite their differences, they needed to unite around one another because of the same spirit given to each of them. I was reading a commentary this week, and I love this statement. It says, there's a crucial need for the church to model heterogeneous groupings that calls the world to marvel at our unity within diversity. Church should be a place where people gather and get along with each other who have no merely human reason for doing so. What's that mean for us? It means that the more diversity we have in the church, the greater our opportunity for impact. Notice I said the greater opportunity for impact. Differences and op- differences can provide opportunities for division. That's why we need the Holy Spirit guiding us, uniting us. We cannot be stronger if we don't see the benefit of diversity. My dream for Experienced Christian Church is to be a collection of people with varying education levels, political positions, financial status, different races, different skill sets, jobs, spiritual gifts, you name it, we're different. I want all of us to be able to say with authenticity, we got 99 problems, but unity ain't one. That we can come together because we see the value in being together. We have a desire to love one another because we belong to one another and that we have the same Heavenly Father. But again, with diversity come some challenges, right? I want to point out two challenges for unity. Unity is hard when we fail to see our own value, how we can contribute to the better good. Listen to Paul spell it out in verse 14 when he says, Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? You know, feeling like you fit in in any social setting is challenging enough. I've been a member of the Exton Chamber of Commerce now for almost three years, and I'm just starting to feel like a contributor. Lori, our fearless leader, has been nothing but encouraging of me since I've been joined. But in my gut, sometimes I'm thinking, I'm a church in a room full of businesses. People probably think I'm weird, which I am. And what assumptions do they have about a pastor? Some of those assumptions are true. Which ones are those? How do they feel? But what about, I have a laundry list of things that make me feel uncomfortable. And I have to remind myself, I'm here and I have something to contribute to this group. I may not feel like everyone else, and that's okay, That's why I'm here. Maybe you have similar feelings about being a part of God's family or experienced Christian church. If so, I'd like you to read Paul's words in a very personal way. If I find myself saying I'm not a part of the body because I'm not, then you fill in that blank, that does not make me any less a part of the body. You know, whatever reason you put in that blank, Paul says it does not make you any less a part of the body. That's good news, friends. Paul goes on in verse 17. If the whole body were an eye... How would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. Here's what Paul is saying there. Your uniqueness brings wholeness to the body. You know, God created you. He placed you just where he wants you. 
And I love that line from Paul, how strange a body would be if it was only one part. Again, here at Experience, we don't want to be a body where we all look alike, where we're the same part. You know what you'd call a single body part running around? You'd call it a monster. I mean, can you imagine a big nose with no body? What would you call it? Nobody knows. Get it? I got a couple more. Why was the big nose sitting all alone at recess? Because nobody picked it. Speaking of picking it, what do you find in a clean and empty nose? Fingerprints. Too much? Maybe. But I do think those were heavenly scent. <laughs> scent, get it? The main point is, God's word doesn't stress sameness. God's word celebrates diversity. The more body parts, the better representation of Christ's body. Revelation 7, 9 says, it actually gives us a glimpse of a heavenly reality where diversity is celebrated. It says, after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. The more inclusion we see as a church on this earth, the closer we get to seeing that heavenly reality here and now. I mentioned there are two challenges when it comes to unity. We just said unity is hard when we fail to see our own value. The other thing I need to point out is unity is hard when we fail to see the value others bring. Paul says in verse 21, The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Let's personalize this verse as well. I can never say to anyone, I don't need you. Right? To say you don't need someone is to completely miss God's vision and purpose for your life and theirs. We were made for one another. We just celebrated Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, and I was reading the prayers offered by Dr. King in Thou, Dear God. It's a great book. I just picked it up this week. But I was struck by one of the prayers in particular, where he addresses how we fail to see the value of others. Listen to Dr. King's words here. O thou eternal God, out of whose absolute power and infinite intelligence the whole universe has come into being, we humbly confess that we have not loved thee with our hearts, souls, and minds, and we have not loved our neighbors as Christ loved us. We have all too often lived by our own selfish impulses rather than by the life of sacrificial love as revealed by Christ. We often give in order to receive. We love our friends and hate our enemies. We go the first mile but dare not travel the second. We forgive but dare not forget. And so as we look within ourselves, we are confronted with the appalling fact that the history of our lives is the history of an eternal revolt against thee. But thou, O God, have mercy upon us. Forgive us for what we could have been but failed to be. Give us the intelligence to know thy will. Give us the courage to do thy will. Give us the devotion to love thy will. In the name and spirit of Jesus we pray. Amen. What a challenging prayer to acknowledge and confess that we have failed to embrace one another. You know, the body analogy is so helpful that Paul made and practical, isn't it? We see the benefit of diversity as we look at our own bodies. Wow, fingers, I'm thankful I have you so that I can grab a hold of things. Legs, thank you for sustaining me. Ears, thank you for allowing me to listen. Eyes, thank you for allowing me to see. Diversity is good. I like you guys, right? A way you know your body is functioning well is that you're caring well for it. That's my last point for us today. We must care for our bodies. You know if you're in sync with your body when you know how it feels. You know how important your body parts are. You know the impact of a body that's working for you, and you know the pain that happens when your body's in active rebellion. A toothache, a backache, a headache, 
These are showstoppers, aren't they? You might not care much about your pinky toe until you kick the corner of a cabinet and four piggies go this way and that piggy goes that way. You care then, don't you? So do I. Paul says this way in verse 26. He says, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Direct question for you. This will show the connectedness to the body. Are you connected to God's family? I'm not asking you if you have friends or loved ones. I'm asking you if you're suffering, does someone in the body know it? If you're rejoicing, does someone in your body rejoice with you? You know, you weren't meant to go at it alone. Church was never meant to be a social club. It was designed to be a family. We're an imperfect community coming together to serve and care for one another. You know, body parts, they're not in competition with one another. They care about one another. When I'm thirsty, my brain tells my legs to take me to the kitchen. And a bunch of body parts come together and I reach for a glass. And then I fill it. And then I drink from it. It's a lot of coordination going right there. And all those pieces working together require trust. Church is a partnership. Just as a body has to figure out how to make all the parts move together, we as a church community need to commit to learn how to care and work for one another together. Truth be told, some of us, we bring trauma and disappointment and rejection into the church and into relationships. There's a saying, if we don't heal what hurt you, you'll bleed all over the people who didn't cut you. Loving one another is serious and hard work. That's why we're commanded to do it. But friends, it's also not natural. That's why we have the supernatural assistance from the Holy Spirit. I love what Ben Patterson, he said about this. He says, people in the church are like porcupines in a snowstorm. We need each other to keep warm, but we prick each other if we get too close. As a body, we exist on a commitment to care for one another. Imperfectly, we're going to mess up sometimes, but that commitment allows us to correct the course. The benefits are worth the risk. The alternative to living with other body parts is death. If you cut a body part off, you put it by itself, it withers and dies. Friends, God designed us to worship him and live together as a body. Ephesians 4.16 says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You know, the New Testament uses the phrase one another or each other over 50 times to instruct us how to be healthy and how to care for one another. We're commanded to love each other, to pray for each other, to encourage one another, admonish one another, greet each other, serve each other, teach each other, accept each other, honor each other, bear each other's burdens, forgive each other, submit to each other, be devoted to each other, and many, many other things. Friends, there's no such thing as solo Christianity. You are made for a purpose. You are made to love God, and you are made to be part of his family, loving one another. It's our second purpose. Paul couldn't say it any clearer in verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. I want to close today and provide you with an invitation to enter into a relationship with Christ and be part of the body if you've never done so. If you want to trust Jesus today, won't you say this prayer with me? God, I need you, and I need to be saved by you. I need you as my Lord, and need you to lead me. I ask for your forgiveness, and I confess that doing life on my own way has taken me down the wrong path. I accept you by faith, and I trust you for my salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. 
You know, if you're praying that prayer for the first time and you believe it, you are ready to be baptized into Christ and begin your life as a Christian. You can email or call me. My email is matt at experiencecc.org or you can call my cell 610-235-1205 and I'd love to connect with you and talk about your faith journey. For all of us, this is so good for us to focus on and think about what it means to be part of the body. Where have we seen success? Where have we seen ourselves falling short of that? Where have we seen ourselves wanting to do life on our own depatched? And how can we be encouraging to one another? Maybe you just need a reminder that you are part of the body, regardless of how you feel. Maybe you need to reinvite someone in that just feels like they're on the outside. Reflecting on our relationship with Jesus and how we're all a family is a great segue for communion. Communion is the meal that we take together, and we remember what binds us together, and that's the sacrifice of Jesus. We come to this table with so many differences, so many things that could divide us, but what unites us is our faith in Jesus. If you have both those elements, go ahead and grab them now. We remember that what connects us to Jesus was the sacrifice that Jesus made for our sins. He commanded his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. And so we do that every week here as part of our tradition here at Experience. We don't want to do it empty as just a to-do, but we want to connect our hearts to loving Jesus in this, in this moment. So Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. We take the bread, which represents his body. Let's take that together as a family. And next, let's take the cup, which represents the blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for encouraging us and challenging us to be a family. God, you created each one of us with a purpose and for a purpose. God, you desire us to love you back, and you want us to love one another as a family with true care for one another. Thank you for this meal. Thank you for the way you showed love so practically for us. We love you and we're thankful for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.